You're not alone. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Mines X-Wing podcast, a podcast dedicated to the backbone of the X-Wing community. That's right, people just like you doing what they can to get better at the game. I'm your host, Sailor Joe, and today we have a special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jason Chong. Thanks for having me, Joe. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. So, um, for those that have been following the cast for a little while, you know that uh, this last weekend, both Jason and I participated in the uh, Golden State Games, the World Opens Qualifier. Um, in that, uh, it was a, a two-day event. So, uh, Jason, why don't you tell everyone how you did? I went three and two, and uh, I had a great time. I, I flew a scum list. The night before, I was actually flip-flopping between flying four U-wings and going to scum, and I decided to fly scum. And my list was a three-ship list where I flew Moralo Eval, Tel Travera, and Kath Scarlet in the fire spray. Awesome. And uh, are you, you glad you stuck with scum, or do you have a little bit of doubts about um, flying the U-wings? I'm actually glad I stuck with the scum. The U-wings, they don't have a very interesting dial, and they're very predictable. And I feel like one of my uh, edges as a player, a pretty experienced player, is that if I have a ship with a pretty good dial, I can surprise my opponent. And, you know, the fire sprays have a good dial. The jump masters have a unique dial. And Moralo's a lot of fun because I like to just teleport him behind my enemy's formation and just start shooting them from the back. Okay. And what, what, uh, what's, what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Well, I think my biggest takeaway is the battle of Yavin pilots. Some of them are pretty good. I actually flew against the new battle of Yavin Luke and also a Battle of Yavin Vader and Battle of Yavin Dark Curse. And I think Dark Curse is really good, and that's a ship that I think we're going to see a lot of in the future. And for an, anybody who's unfamiliar with Dark Curse, maybe you haven't gotten the new Battle of Yavin pack, that's an Initiative 6 TIE Fighter. And when your opponent is attacking Dark Curse, they cannot modify their attack dice at all. And that is ridiculous. And so most people probably aren't going to be shooting at Dark Curse, so you can just fly Dark Curse around, pick up objectives, you know, carry cargo, and unless they natty hit, you're probably not going to kill Dark Curse. And he's amazing at four points. So I'm interested in flying that myself. I think we're going to see that a lot more. Invader at six points is kind of a budget vader compared to the normal vader at seven points but man that vader at six points has afterburners built in and hate and marksmanship and i think that's a solid build for six points oh yeah i i agree and and dark curse is uh, well i mean if you if you all listen to the fly better episode um they did quite a deep dive into dark curse and I, I agree wholeheartedly with what they were saying. So, yeah. So let's talk about um, real quick, just 
just how we did. Um, you went three and two, which awesome. Congratulations. Uh, it was not a great weekend for me. Uh, I went one and four. I still had a good time. Um, although I, I did, I did tilt a little bit, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, here in, in a little while. Now, um, I flew quick draw Kylo silo, ah, Kylo Ren and the silencer. Um, Malarus in the TIE FO and Gideon Hask in the Zai. Now, it was a good list, but I think my biggest takeaway uh, is I really need to work on my objective play as a whole. Um, and as I kind of go over uh, who I faced in each of the five rounds, um, you'll, you'll see that kind of there. So as I said, I'll start off. Um, so round one, uh, I flew against Patrick who was flying Boy Vader, Boy Dark Curse, Vizier with Palp, and the Grand Inquisitor. And it was a really close game, um, but I just, I lost on objectives. Uh, and, and a lot of that was trying to go after Dark Curse um, was was kind of a mistake. And the scenario for round one was salvage for our listeners. That's correct. Thank you, because I forgot to take notes on that part. Uh, so round two, um, I flew against Ron, who is flying Delta-7 OB and Delta-7 Mace, along with Hawk, Click, and Contrail. Um, now Ron is local to the Southern California scene, so um, I have played uh, with him and against him before. Uh, however, he was not expecting the... Uh, uh, range one 11 forward from kylo it's not really 11 but it's practically that um and i was able to put an obstructed proton torpedo into click and just remove him from the game round one and from there i took out mace and then i took out hawk now what was the scenario for round two round two was chance engagement okay what was uh, Ron, Ron running on his, um, you said he was flying, was it a lat as well? Yes. Um, hold on one second. Let me see if I can. Because I think that's interesting because the lats just got a points loadout reduction. And so I was thinking a lot of people may not be flying the lat anymore. I still think they're good ships for what they do. But, you know, every time something gets a, points increase or a loadout reduction it seems like people kind of shy away from it yeah so he was running dedicated uh night owl commandos agile gunner and synchronized console and that was one of the things that he was saying is he kept forgetting to uh drop the kids off so getting the, <laughs> getting the commandos out um and it's one of those that i would have tried to help him remember had I paid more attention and seen that he actually had it in the list. But every time he was like, I keep forgetting to drop the kids off and I couldn't figure out what he was talking about for <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, that's, that's weird. Um, so then round three, I flew against uh, Paul LaRue. Um, that's right, the, uh, the one and only artist. Um, and Paul is just a great guy. Uh, we actually got to sit down and uh, have quite a quite 
a good and long conversation on Sunday. Um, but Paul, Paul, ah, man, I cannot speak. Paul was flying Delta 7B Anakin, Delta 7 OB1, Delta 7B Barris, and Click. And this match was actually really close. We were um, hitting each other basically point for point um, up until um, Click dropped a, uh, a seismic uh, that was going to hit an asteroid that my One Health Malaris was going to be next to after her move. So for some reason, I thought that I would uh, barrel roll Malaris with Gideon's coordinate, and that ended up putting her on a, a debris cloud and blocking quick draws turnaround. And then that same turn, uh, I had a half health Kylo that I managed to clip a cloud with and then take a direct hit on. So it was all really, really close until that turn. And then it wasn't <laughs> close from that point on. Oh man. And it was scrambled transmission uh, for round three, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Now, round four is kind of where uh, I lost it. Um, I want my my opponent um, took took a while to get set up. Um, one, so we started our game late, and after that, he just kept kind of doing things a little bit out of order. And you know, I'm. I try to live by the, the fly casual mantra, but this time um, when, when it came around, I had missed a trigger and I asked him about it. Now, um, one of the things that I talked with Paul about later is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of unsporting to ask your opponent if you can fix the trigger because it puts your opponent in a bad spot. So I'll own up on that. But after all the, um, for lack of a better word, chances that I gave this opponent, uh, he's like, no, we're in a tournament. I'm not going to let you do that. And it was just mm-hmm. so frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tilted super hard and then um, ended up losing that game by a point. Um, and then... Round five, um, I flew against uh, also a uh, an opponent local to the uh, Southern California scene, and he was flying Empire. Honestly, I don't remember what he was flying. Um, just I was I was still so just for lack of a better term tilted from the game before that. Um, I let the objectives get away from me. And it was salvage again, right, for round five? It was salvage in round five, yes. Yeah. So I, I let him get away get away from me and ended up losing that game. So that, that's kind of my bat rep. Now, one thing that I'll, that I'll say real quick in um, talking about round four is I talked to, to D afterwards uh, on Sunday about it. And this is the, the one lesson that I learned from this um, 
is if you find yourself in this situation where um, you have an opponent that's slow to set up, um, is playing things out of order, you know, make the judge, make the TO the bad guy. Just don't try to don't try to handle it yourself, and don't try to do things in the name of casual. Uh, fly casual. I mean, you you can, but if it's going to burn you and, and tilt you, uh, like I I got tilted on that, then it's just not worth the uh, the the pain and suffering to to try to do that on your own. Call the judge over and uh, let them make the official decision. Yeah, it always feels bad when you're playing an opponent and maybe they miss a trigger and they ask you about it and you let them, you know, do something that they missed. So, you know, you gave them a little bonus, but then when maybe you miss something and you ask for that leniency, they don't give it back to you. Oh, man, that, that feels really, really bad. And that would tell me, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Dee about it and... Um, he he told me that if I had if I had told him about it during the game, it would have been uh, an immediate round loss for my opponent. Wow. Yeah. He uh, he said that is a, a personal pet peeve of his. So, um, but again, it's one of those things I should have never let it got to get to that point by just you know involving the the staff earlier and and you know having fun in the game within the within the rules of the game yeah 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 it's always it's always the right thing to do to get the judge involved but yeah even me i have a hard time doing that because i'm a pretty nice guy generally or at least i like to think so and you know when you call over a judge it can kind of feel like you're oh tattling on your opponent or trying to get them in trouble you know but it is the right thing to do if, if there's any sort of problem call in the neutral third party call in the judge and, and let them figure things out absolutely so I'm, oh go ahead I'm, I'm kind of curious did how did you feel about the game lengths for your five rounds because, you know, part of the discussion with 2.5 is that games are getting a little shorter in terms of how many turns are in an actual game. Did you feel like your games were having the appropriate amount of turns or or was the time, the hour and 15 minutes per game, not enough to get in enough turns? How did it feel to you? So I don't think um, any of my games went to time. Um they, they all won in points. I think I averaged uh, about eight rounds a game. So and that includes, I think it was only six in that round four where we started a little bit late. Um, but game, game two was over pretty quick. Um, I had a, a good long break in between game two and three. Um, Game three, we finished at about an hour. So I, I think the lengths are, are good. Um, yeah, I'm, I I hadn't thought about that, honestly. How about, how about yeah. you? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, 
at, at the tournament, they had given us these score sheets to keep score. And I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if you were using them. I actually, I, I use them. And so, I mean, I can see how many turns I was having in each of my games. And actually, I think in all five of my games, we had exactly seven turns. Um, of those five games, uh, two of them went to time. So that means seven turns taking an hour and 15 minutes. And then in the other three, those seven turns were less than the hour and 15, and the games were completed because somebody went to 20 points. Things felt pretty good. Like I, I felt like it was just enough, but if there were less turns, such as five or six, I, I would kind of feel like that's not enough, and I would need more turns to make it feel like a more complete game. Because I remember you know, playing 2.0, you would sometimes get eight, nine, or even ten turns in. Of course, the game was different, and there were not objectives, and your decision-making was a lot easier. Um, so I think the decision-making and more ships and more upgrades in 2.5 has kind of slowed things down. But at least in my games, I did feel like I was barely getting enough turns to make the game feel complete. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, what would... What would... How would you rectify that if you were given carte blanche? Oh, man. Um, you know, I would sometimes I kind of feel like there should be, at least in the tournament setting, a turn minimum. I mean, because some lists suffer from really short games, and some lists really excel with really short games. And I say short in terms of the number of rounds. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what was interesting about this tournament is also they had the hidden timer. They would just say when the round started, but they wouldn't normally yell out, like in the past, oh, 15 minutes remaining or whatever. You had no idea how much time was left. Um, but... Uh, I did kind of keep track on my own watch how much time had elapsed. So I knew roughly how many minutes we had left. And, you know, I was kind of gauging the pace of play. And I did feel like my opponents were all pretty good about pace of play. I didn't feel like I had to, you know, encourage them, hey, my dial's set, let's try to get, you know, a couple more turns in or anything like that. Um, but if I had carte blanche, I do kind of feel like in a tournament setting, sometimes there actually should be a turn minimum. I know that's not feasible because tournaments have to keep on schedule, but, you know, if some games are only getting four or five turns, that's not enough to really play a full game, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and, and I think some of that, um, especially in early 2.5, was due to just um, unfamiliarity with, with the scenarios. Mm -hmm. And you'll still see that with people who are a little bit unfamiliar with their lists. But the, the people, at least the people that I played who were uh, familiar with their lists and familiar with 2.5, um, like, our games seem to move pretty good. Yeah, that's good. So with that, with that said, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell everyone kind of who you faced, and, um, and then after we're done with that, we'll go ahead and break down the uh, mid-tier lists. Sure. All right, so round one was Salvage, and I played Anthony Marchand from Flagstaff, Arizona. 
he ended up going three and two. And actually, he did pretty well in the recent GSP Exegol online tournament. He was, I think, uh, a top top eight cut finisher. And he flew a, a version of that list, which had some changes due to the recent points changes. And it was basically Faroff and Vizier, and those are the Thai Reapers, with six TIE Fighters. So it was an entire eight-ship list. Oh, and um, yeah, and I, I was I was thinking that I'm going to have a lot of problems in, in this matchup because it's salvage. You know, there's five crates, and he has a lot of ships to grab the crates. And also, the Reapers are terrific in salvage because since their boost is not a boost action, they can be carrying the crates, still do their boost, and just fly around the board three banking, and they're you know impossible to catch. So my strategy going into this game was just kill TIE Fighters because TIE Fighters only have three hull um, and they're only getting one action per turn usually. So just shoot them. So I concentrated on just killing TIE Fighters and I was actually able to kill enough and come out with a very close win, um, winning 13 to 12 and actually did come down to the final dice roll. And on my defense, I was rolling one green dice, and I had a focus, and I needed paint. You know, so five out of eight chance, five eighths chance, and I got it. So the game could have easily gone the other way had the dice dice roll been different. But it was a very exciting game. Awesome, I, I love games like that uh, that really come down to the to the last minute. It's not really a blow away. Yeah, it was each turn we were within one point of each other, and it was you know him trying to. Trying to trying to capture or or fly away with crates and me trying to hunt them down. Very cool. And then uh, round two, I flew against Brandon Carey, and that was chance engagements. Uh, Brandon Carey ended up going three and two, and he was flying that really nasty meta scum list with Kanan in the Hawk with Maul crew, and then Boba in the Fire Spray, and then Rook cast in the Gauntlet. And I don't know if you've had the the joy, and I say joy with you know sarcasm, of playing against this list. But man, it is a rough list. And I knew I was going to lose this game because it was chance engagement, and my list is not meant for just duking it out. And his list is. Mm -hmm. um, so for our listeners, listeners who aren't familiar, Kanan has the ability where he can spend a force to uh, make you roll one less red dice when you're attacking Kanan or a ship friendly to Kanan that is in Kanan's firing arc. So the, he basically turns all of my three dice attacks down to two dice. Well, that really hurts. And of course, Boba has re-rolls, re and then Rookcast has a reinforce. So you're hardly doing any damage to his ships while he's doing quite a bit of damage to yours. So I lost that game uh, 10 to 20. I think... My goal going into the game was to was to kill Kanan, and I think that is the actual correct decision because if you just ignore Kanan and you're just trying to concentrate on Boba and Rook, you're probably not doing a lot of damage. But once you get Kanan out of the game, then you're actually back to throwing three dice on your attack or four dice at range one, and you can actually start you know knocking away those shields and hull and hopefully killing one of his uh, two um, you know beefy ships. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, and I've flown not uh, against that list per se, but uh, against several other lists with uh, Hawk and or Hawk Cannon with Maul, 
and that is just it's it's a nasty combination and it's it's weird because in the fluff uh it wouldn't work but in the game um it just does yeah i actually think canyon probably needs an emergency uh points reduction for loadout reduce loadout by one point just so he cannot take maul it might not be so bad with just Kanan by himself, but once you add Maul, and of course Maul allows him to regain a force by gaining the stress when he takes damage, so he can use his ability multiple times per turn, and it can be oppressive. It feels really bad. Yeah, I agree, because I even think, even at that one point down, you could still get Ahsoka um, for that oh, that's uh, true. extra force yes. point. And, but even then... I don't think two force cannon is as bad as two force hate cannon, basically. True, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that was my first time flying against that list. I mean, I had heard about it before, but yeah, it does feel pretty bad flying against it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So what, what happened round three? So round three, I flew against a, a younger guy named Kevin Beagle, and he just started playing X-Wing about eight months ago. So it was great to see a nice you know, young player who's really excited about the game getting into the tournament setting, and this was his first major big tournament, so he was really excited. Uh, and the scenario for round three was Scramble, and Kevin was flying Callus in the VCX, Fen Rao in the shuttle, the new Battle of Yavin Luke, and then Aaron Kraken. So his list was pretty much he's going to keep Aaron Kraken near Callus, uh, so Aaron Kraken can shoot for Callus and give Callus a double mod on Callus's attack. And Fenrau also had swarm tactics to bring um, another ship up to I six. So he's kind of like a, a Rebel Alpha, but just without the proton torpedoes although i should say luke the battle of yavin luke does have proton torpedoes so actually it is pretty much a, a rebel alpha okay. and so he wanted to joust me and this was the kind of list where i immediately fly morallo evil off the board on turn one and i teleport behind him to put pressure on his formation and uh he was kind of expecting that and so he 4K'd his ships to face Moralo and um, did some damage on Moralo. So I actually had to fly Moralo off the board immediately again. <laughs> so so Moralo had used up both of his charges in the, like the first three or four turns. And from there on, we were fighting over the satellites towards the middle of the board. And going into the last turn, I was losing 17 to 19 i had two out of the three satellites and i only had one ship remaining and that was tell travera and unfortunately his two remaining ships which were luke and callus they were actually flying away from the middle of the board so he couldn't stop me from flying Tell over to the third satellite and capturing it. So on the very last turn, I was able to capture 
his final satellite and get the three points I needed to win 20 to 19. So it was a really close game, but it was also one of those games, which was just like a dagger to the heart for Kevin, you know, because he had played well and he had put himself in a position to win. It's just right when he needed to prevent me from getting one satellite, he just wasn't able to do it. His ships were facing the wrong way. He couldn't kill tell and he couldn't block tell, you know? Oh man. Well, it sounds like he was he was flying well as as the uh, points. I mean, nineteen to twenty. That's it's an incredibly close game. Yeah, he was flying well for a uh, for a pretty new player, and um, I I told him that he should be proud of proud of himself because I mean you you really couldn't tell that he was a new player. He was flying very well. Okay, so what about round four? And then, what happened? Round four was assault. I flew against Kyung Lee, who I think is from Oregon. He had flown or driven down for, for the tournament, and he was flying Republic. He was flying Ayla in the Etta, Obi-Wan in the Delta-7, and then Anakin in the Delta-7B, and then Contrail with Proximity Mines. So he had four small base ships and against my list, which is two large bases and one medium base. And again, this is assault. So when he sees my list, the first thing he says, oh man, you know, I'm going to lose this game. I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll see. And I was looking at his list and all three of his Jedi have shattering shot and trick shot. So his strategy there is to take his big obstacles, put them in the middle of the board, and try to get obstructed shots to do a lot of damage. Well, for setup, of course, I I think I was second player. So he was able to place two of the big satellites towards the center. I was able, that's not satellites, uh, obstacles towards the center. And I was able to put one of them on my side, away from the center. And, you know, turn zero deployments and the first and second turn, I'm just flying my ships to try to not give him those obstructed shots. And he's trying to get those obstructed shots. And then finally, we kind of get into the dogfight towards the center. And I think I surprised him because I wasn't really out to kill his ships. I mean, I'm flying them as if I was. But I was just using my big bases to pretty much fly between two objectives, two satellites, and capture both of them. You know, if you place the satellites in assault at a at a close distance they have to be more than range two so you put them just beyond range two of each other and you're flying a medium or a large base ship you can put your ship right between them and get two satellites so i was using tell travera to to one turn and barrel roll to pretty much kind of fly in a circle and capture two satellites for multiple turns in a row and and my tell actually had feedback array on it so if you bump into him i can take a uh, ion token and all ships that range zero of me take the damage and so he was kind of uh, psyched out about bumping into tell and then one turn he actually did and i used feedback array to do a damage onto his anakin and you know so he got he got freaked out and i think he started playing a little more uh, cautiously and flying away rather than fighting for these objectives and so i was able to build up a lead throughout the entire game just based on objectives i didn't really do much damage to his ships at all yeah. And I ended up yeah. winning the game uh, 15 to 9. Oh, very nice. And Yeah, that game did go to time, yeah. So one of the things that I try to do, uh, especially if I'm playing Assault and my opponent has um, medium or large base ships, is I kind of 
throw whatever normal strategy I have for obstacle placement out and try to throw the largest obstacles I can in that halfway point between the two obstacles to deny my opponent that um, double double objective the du double objective capture. Yeah, I do, I do the same thing. Um, and that's a good strategy. Although sometimes though, you can kind of play around it because sometimes if there's three satellites uh, in like a triangle, you know, the question becomes, do I put the big asteroid like in the center of the triangle so they can't capture three satellites or do I put it like somewhere along the sides so they, they can't get those two, but they might be able to, you know, get the other two. Mm -hmm. And then you can sometimes, as the as the other player who wants those uh, satellites close together, you can place the obstacles like near those points, so that when the other obstacles are placed at range one, they can't be exactly in the spot that you need to be. I don't know if I just made. I don't know if that made sense, but you know, you can yeah. you can place the uh, the asteroids near where your opponent wants to place them but because they have to be more than range one from each other your opponent can't actually place it where he wants to and that space is there for you to get those double objective captures and so i did a little bit of that so there was a little little counterplay with obstacle placement in terms of where they were in relation to the objectives okay very cool and then uh, tell us about round five. What happened there? So round five, I was three and one. So, you know, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. It's like, oh, if I win, I'm going to be four and one and I'll be able to make the cut. And of course, it was salvage, which is probably not the, the greatest objective uh, or scenario for my list. And I'm flying, flying against one of the guys that I know from the Bay Area, Rick Riddell. And he's flying Empire. And of course, he's flying Dark Curse. The Battle of Yavin Vader, the Battle of Yavin Iden in the Interceptor, and then Vizier the Reaper with Palpatine crew. And that's a pretty nasty list. And um, that list is pretty good at playing salvage because Iden can pick up a cargo, she has an evade action, and she can use her ability to pretty much cancel one of your attacks. So I pretty much ignored Aiden, and I just tried to kill something. Well, what can you kill on that list? It's not going to be Dark Curse, because you can't modify your attack dice. So it's Vizier and Vader. So I actually managed to kill Vizier on the initial joust, and then from there I was just trying to concentrate on killing his Vader, but his Vader was just rolling paint after paint after paint on all of his uh, defense rolls, and I was not able to get him in time. And, you know, he's carrying around cargo, Dark Curse is carrying around cargo. Iden is carrying around cargo. So he was getting pretty much three points per turn, and I just couldn't keep up. So he ended up winning the game 22-11, and so I ended up 3-2 and two on the day. Okay. Well, very cool. Well, why don't we go ahead and look at our uh, mid-tier lists. And for those that aren't familiar with the podcast, the mid-tier lists are the lists that uh, took three wins overall and uh, basically... Um, through through variance or player decision, these are lists that very very easily could have made top cut, but didn't for whatever reason. So with that, um, now these are in no particular order. Um, 
but we'll start with um, uh, this is Willie. Sorry, I have them all listed by the last name Richard Willie. Uh, now, Richard was flying um, Han Solo with Canon Jarrus, Biston, and the Millennium Falcon uh, title card. Uh, Garvin Jarius, uh, Battle of the Oven, Battle of the Oven, Jack Porkins, and Colby Sperato with Marksmanship, R4, and False Transponders. What do you think of this list, Jason? Well, I think this is a pretty solid list because uh, you're seeing three X-Wings here and Han Solo and Initiative 6 ship, which can uh, double tap with Biston. And of course, Jek and Garvin are the new Battle of Yavin X-Wings, and those are four-point X-Wings. So four-point X-Wings are pretty good, and they both have advanced proton torpedoes. Uh, so I think this is one of those like really good value lists. You know, there's nothing here which is really broken. It's just you're getting a lot of good value from the ships that you're bringing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to the next one. This is Yoast. Um... And they were flying um, Battle of Yarvin Vader, Sigma 7, Sigma 5, Battle of Yalan Mauler Mithil, and Battle of Yavin Wampa. So this is an entire Battle of Yavin pack. Um, so what we got? Five ships in total. Um, seems fairly solid to me. Uh, would you, what are, what are your thoughts on the list and, or, and would you make any changes? Well, you know, I, I don't know if I would make any changes. I think it's a pretty solid list. I haven't, you know, flown Battle of Yavin stuff myself. I've just flown against it, but I, these are all good ships. Uh, like Darth Vader at six points is good with afterburners and hate. Uh, you have two tie interceptors, so two, three dice attacks. Um, Mauler Mithil can possibly roll three dice if you can trigger his ability, which is while you perform a primary attack, if a friendly Darth Vader or Backstabber is in your side arcs at range zero to one, roll one additional dice. So uh, Garrett was probably flying Mauler just right next to Vader, so Mauler can get those three dice attacks. And then, of course, you have Wampa, who's going to be rolling three dice unless you want to shoot at him. So there's five ships that can all shoot three dice that's 15 attack dice on the table that's that's something to kind of be concerned about oh yeah no i agree, I agree. and they all have three green dice too <laughs> mm -hmm. the, tyranny the tyranny of green dice yeah. yep all right next we're looking at mr sperry uh who is flying han solo with marksmanship blaze k2so Biston and the Falcon title. Luke Skywalker with Proton Torpedoes, Elusive R5D8 and S Foils. And Wedge Antilles with Elusive Enduring Plasma Torpedoes, R4 Astromech, and Munitions Failsafe. So here we've got kind of this, this quote unquote standard uh, Rebel Alpha list, um, but you can see that. He did quite well with it. 
Yeah, this is a Rebel Alpha Strike without Dutch. Usually you see Dutch in there to, to give target locks, but he's he's just going with all high initiative. He's giving Wedge double mods from a Calculate from K2SO, who's the crew card on Han Solo. Um, and he's going with Plasma Torpedoes on Wedge. You know, usually you see both Luke and... Wedge with Proton, but if Wedge is shooting first at initiative six and his attack is usually going to hit because of Wedge's ability, uh, you are going to get a hit into the shields and then the plasma damage goes through. So I do like that that little change and that allows him to put some extra upgrades on Wedge, such as Elusive and Enduring, which can help Wedge survive longer. Because Wedge is usually your opponent's primary target. Oh, yeah. And and also notice with this Han Solo that he's he's going to be a little bit more aggressive with this, as um, he really needs to be close with base to get those additional focus tokens to trigger Biston. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Who do we have next? So this is, um, I believe, Michael Ramirez, flying Manaru with Notorious Jamming Beam. Agile Gunner, False Transponder Codes, Punishing One, and R4B11. Now, I've, n I've never seen this um, droid on the table. Do you know what it does off the top of your head? I do, actually, because I've used it before, and I love it. I think he's actually really, really good, except it's really hard to implement his ability. So his ability is, while you perform an attack, you may remove one orange or red token from the defender. And if you to make them re-roll any number of their defense dice. So what's a orange or red token? Well, it could be a jam, it could be a strain or deplete or a target lock. So I've in the past made some fun lists which used R4B11 and I would just throw like a jam on my opponent or, a, or another ship's target lock and remove that to make your opponent re-roll any number of green dice. I think that is a pretty powerful combo. Oh, yeah. And so the rest of the list is Fen Rao and the Fang Fighter with Fearless, Elusive, Homing Torpedoes, and Shield Upgrade. Cad Bane with Trick Shot, Sync Laser Cannon, Contraband Cybernetics, Xanadu Blood, and Kiara. And Ahav with Elusive, Deadman Switch, False Transponder Codes, and Targeting Computer. So a pretty interesting list. Now, um, Michael flew something something similar. He's definitely a scum player because uh, I believe he ended up either, I think he was second place at um, the SCO last year. So he's, he's definitely got some skill with that. What do you think of the rest of the list? Uh, it's actually interesting to see a Fen Rao. I feel like we don't really see Fen Rao that often. And um, that's a pretty pretty intimidating Fen Rao with a shield upgrade to help improve survivability. And then those homing torpedoes are kind of an interesting choice. And actually, I think that combines with Fen Rao's ability, right? So those homing torpedoes, which are no normally four dice, could actually be a five dice attack. Yep. And I think that's one of those times that you just take the crit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. 
All right, next we've got Marchan, who is flying uh, Vizier with Imperial Super Commandos and a Blade of Plating, and Captain Pharaohpaw with Ruthless, the Child Targeting Computer, and what do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six Black Squadron TIE Fighters. So yes, this is the list that I flew against in my rounds one. Yeah. And uh, so, how did he fly? Yeah. What was you know? He basically just lined up his Tie Fighters pretty much in a line across his deployment zone, and was just five straighting straight out the board to just pick up uh, the cargo, and then also just try to create a kill box for my Tel Travera. And those those Reapers move so quickly. Uh, when they do their, before they activate boosts, and then a three straight, I think, yeah, three straight's the fastest they can go, but man, that is so much distance, and then before you know it, they are on you. And then, of course, he was dropping off the kids, the Imperial Super Commandos, and he was mm -hmm. getting more shots. So this is a list which throws a lot of red dice. It may not seem like it, but, I mean, that's six TIE Fighters, so that's 12 red dice plus six more red dice from the reapers so that's 18 plus four dice from the commandos that's 22 red dice on the table that's a lot of red dice jeez yeah that's a spray and pay prey method of uh winning games yeah and he's, he's got ruthless on Faroff, so he can you know make sure he gets consistent three damage attacks and he's going to be ruthlessly all those black squadron ace generic tie fighters he doesn't really care about that are only worth two points yep yep all right looking at the next list uh, i'm going to try to speed us up a little bit because i'm meeting some friends for dinner here shortly uh, so we've got uh carrie who i believe you flew against as well he was flying boba rook and cannon yep so Bobo, we don't really need to talk about that because we already talked about it. But yeah. Yep. So just real quick for the listeners, um, Bobo with Fearless, Proton, Contraband, Marauder, Ahsoka Tano, Veteran Tail Gunner, Rook with Notorious, The Child, Dropseat Bay, Contraband, Cybernetics, Swivel Wing, The Mandalorian, and Cannon with Maul. All right. Next, we have a resistance list flown by Mr. Nickel. Um, and this is Kazudo, so Kaz without maneuver, dead man switch, and title. Poe, this is uh, Heroes of Hope Poe, so Commander Poe. Heroic Predator, R4 Astromech, and Proton Torpedoes. Mimi with M9G8, Pattern Analyzer, and Jamming Beam. BB-8 with Chewbacca and Finn with Predator, Heroic, and Perceptive Co-Pilot. So you got five ship resistance here. Any Anything jump out to you? Yeah, I think Kaz without maneuver is something that you're going to see quite often. Uh, Kaz is, is becoming a resistance staple, and he has enough loadout points where he can use out maneuver, and since he has slam, he can actually get behind your formation, so you have to watch out. BB-8 at two points is a great ship. You'll see him with Chewbacca or sometimes uh, Han Solo crew, 
And that's kind of a unique take on on filling out those four loadout points for BB-8. But BB-8 is a great two-point ship. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. All right, next we've got Stone Weaver. And this is a First Order list. So we've got Kylo Ren in the Whisper with Malice, Instinctive Aim, Predator, Concussion Missiles, Advanced Optics, and Enhanced Jamming Suite. Blackout with Fanatical, Advanced Optics, Sensor Scramblers, Proton Torpedoes, and Sensitive Controls. Hollow with Proud Tradition, Pattern Analyzer, Magpulse, and Munitions Failsafe. And Commander Malice with Cluster Missiles. I, I really like this list. You know, I really like Blackout. Blackout has a ton of loadout. You can put Proton Torpedoes, as we're seeing here, but also Blackout can take out Maneuver. I have some lists in my phone which have uh, outmaneuver on blackout. I think people are uh, overlooking blackout and need to take a look at them. I agree. I'm going to actually have to try an outmaneuver blackout. That's a good idea. All right. Next, we've got uh, Psy flying Luke Skywalker. This is Battle of Yavin Luke. Uh, Finn Rao with Swarm Tactics, Chopper, R4 Astromech, and the title. Harry and Kraken with Elusive and Plasma Torps. And Alexander Callis with dorsal turret, Saul Guerrero, veteran turret gunner, and the title. So a little different take on uh, Rebel Alpha, but um, yeah, being able to uh, swarm tactics, um, Aryan up to get the double mods or triple mods to Callus. Uh, it seems pretty gross. Yeah, those VCXs have so much health, uh, you really have to make a decision early on whether you're going to go all in and try and kill it. Because if you start shooting, shooting at it halfway through the game, there's probably not enough time left to kill it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, next list, uh, Lacerae. Flying Boy Wampa, two Jinguus with Disciplined and False Transponder Codes, an Academy Tie, uh, Moff Gideon with Disciplined Cluster Missiles and Precision Ion Engines, Gideon Hask with Elusive Disciplined and Cluster Missiles, and Iden Versio with Elusive Disciplined and Cluster Missiles. So a seven tie swarm. I think Moff Gideon is one of those Imperial ships that you really need to, people need to really look at and include if they're choosing to fly Imperials because he is so good. His, his ability uh, shuts down your opponent's um, modifications on their defense dice and they're just essentially rolling naked and that's scary. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, next is uh, Lion flying Arian Kraken with elusive plasma torps, Derek Clevin with elusive and cluster missiles, Benthic two tubes with Jen Urso, perceptive co-pilot, contraband cybernetics and pivot wing, Harris and Dula in the A-wing with fire control, magpulse and shield upgrades, and Battle of Yavin Garvandreas. So I think this. Go ahead. I think this is just a nice five-ship salad. I mean, you have a medium base in there as well, which can help with assault at the satellite array. Um, Benthic can pass focuses. Uh, I think this is just a solid five-list salad. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, next, 
was um, Castaneda, um, flying in an archetype that we've seen do well in the past, so it shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, so it's Cast Scarlet with Jamming Beam, Electro Chaff, The Child, Marauder, and Skilled Bombardier. Han Solo with Trick Shot, Lando Calrissian, Ahsoka Tano, Ancient Upgrade, and the Lando's Falcon title. And Iman Azamine with Jamming Beam, Electro Chaff, Proximity Mines, and Andrasta title. Well, I think it's interesting that we're still seeing Electro Chaff being played at nine points, even though it went up a whole five points. Um, and I, I still think Electro Chaff is playable at nine points, although, you know, you are giving up quite a bit to include it. But I think people will still see it and people will still use it. Well, especially since it counts as an obstacle, you're, you're basically buffing Han and making, making sure you're not just getting that two-die shot with him. Right. That's a good point. All right, we have another uh, resistance left next, flying by uh, Monoreras. And uh, we see Ray with Patience, Heroic, Rose Tico, Finn, Engine Upgrade, and Tidal. Shasa Zaro with Heroic, Dorsal Turret, uh, L4ER5, and Wartime Loadout. Rosa Teslo with Advanced Optics, Dorsal Turret, and Wartime Loadout. And Kazudo with uh, Heroic, R1J5, False Transponder Codes, Advanced Slam, Targeting Computer, and Kaz's Fireball Title. So I think um, it's interesting to see the Y-Wings in there, um, but I'm not sure I would put Wartime on these Y-Wings as they're loaded out. Does that make sense, or am I... Yeah, I, I'm not. Be, I'm not able to view this list, but I, I prefer the Y wings, the boosty Y wings. I think you know having the boost uh, and calculate is really good. You, they move quick and you can block. So I'm not a huge fan of the wartime loadout builds, but they are beefy and uh, they can sometimes survive longer than you would like them to. That's true. All right. Uh, next, we've got Mr. Hansen flying. Battle of Yarvin, Vader, Dark Curse, um, uh, Vizier and the Reaper, and uh, the Grand Inquisitor. So this is uh, my round one opponent, uh, and he he did well with it. He has a very interesting inclusion of squad leader on Grand Inquisitor to provide an initiative five coordinate. Yes. Yeah, he didn't actually use that um, in uh, when I played him, so I'd be curious um, how often that came up over the course of the day. And, you know, what is interesting about that is he, of course, the Vizier and the Tide Reaper has coordinate, so he can use Vizier's coordinate to coordinate Grand Inquisitor, who can then coordinate somebody else. So he can have a very long double coordinate happen oh yeah i didn't even think about that that's interesting all right just a couple more lists um we've got uh, mr churchman flying bosk with notorious peli motto greedo and savage oppress and contraband cybernetics rook cast with marksmanship the mandalorian gar saxon drop seat bay contraband cybernetics and swivel wing gamut key with elusive and protectorate gleb 
and AHA with elusive dead man switch, false transponder codes, and targeting computer. So I think this is a, a pretty interesting take. So you got those two large bases, um, Gamut giving extra actions out um, in, in a way that only Gamut can, and then Ahav there is just kind of a, an annoying little three-pointer who if you're going to focus on, he's not going to give up a lot of points. Yeah, I think Ahav at three points is actually a, kind of a sneaky good uh, goodbye because there are a lot of medium and large base ships being played right now. Yes, absolutely. All right, and next we've got uh, Mr. Knight flying First Order. So we've got Major Von Rigg with Proud Tradition, Daredevil, Deuterium Power Cells, and Magpulse Warheads. Kylo Ren and the Whisper with Instinctive Aim, Predator, Concussion Missiles, Sensor Scramblers, and Shield Upgrade. Nightfall and the Whisper with Fanatical Proton Rockets and Sensor Scramblers and Enhanced Jamming Suite. And a 709 Legion Ace with Fanatical Proton Rockets, Sensor Scramblers, and Enhanced Jamming Suite. So you've got those three whis Whispers that are going around um, taking actions um, and then, or taking actions away from your opponent is what I meant to say with that, and then Von Reg um, there to be kind of the, the finisher. Right, or at least that's how I see. Do you do you see something different? No, and that's how I see it playing out. And and the, that whispers, the whisper spam is something that people really have to look out for because it, it can be very oppressive. Once they get into range of you, I mean, you're going to get jammed every turn, and you're not going to have any tokens. So it can be pretty rough. Yeah, I agree. All right, and then the last list we've kind of already talked about in detail um, belongs to some guy named Chong. Um, <laughs> But it uh, seems like he did he did pretty well with that list. Is so. Uh, well, thank you. Is there before we wrap up? Is there anything that um, you'd like to any shout outs you'd like to give? Anything you'd like to add to the podcast? Uh, I just wanted to say that it was a lot of fun to play in person, and I got into the competitive scene in 2019, and I went to like 11 hyperspace trials way back then, and, you know, I was very new to the game, and I didn't know a lot of people, but now, you know, three years later, I know you, and I know a bunch of other people, so it felt like a, a great get-together of friends just having fun and playing X-Wing, and, and that felt really good, and so um, I, I'm thankful for that, and I'm glad I saw you, and hopefully someday I'll be able to make it down to San Diego for another tournament, uh, and we can run into each other then. Yeah, absolutely. It was a uh, pleasure to meet you, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, as you all know, uh, this this podcast is uh, only exists because of the uh, patrons that support it, so if you'd like to support this podcast, please consider uh, becoming a patron. Uh Please also consider leaving a review however you consume this podcast, as it really means a lot to me. And as you know, I like to end every podcast with a question. And this week's question is, what's the next big tournament that you're planning on attending? This is Sailor Joe. And, and this, this is Jason. Signing off. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.
You're not alone.